Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. 34 years ago, uh, in a couple of months, uh, my wife and I, we were on our honeymoon in Cancun, Mexico. Whew, that sounds nice about this time of year, doesn't it? And, and a couple of things to know. Uh, I had never in my life been anywhere nice, like never been to a resort, didn't know those kind of things existed, had never been to a foreign country. And so, you know, I feel like, you know, I'm the king of the world. We're going to Cancun, and it might as well have been Fantasy Island as far as I was concerned. We're going to Cancun. We're at this beautiful resort, and we had sign-ups, and, and every day they were taking people, couples out, snorkeling, because they said Cancun's the best snorkeling in the world. Now, I have a confession. I had no idea what snorkeling was, okay? I'm small-time, very sheltered boy, okay, everybody? I had no idea, but she was excited about it, so I said, let's sign up. I knew you had to get on a boat. I know it had something to do with water, and uh, I just was praying, God, don't let me drown. I have no idea what it is, but let's go do it. So we got on this boat, and these two Mexican guys pulled up on this little boat, and, and I don't remember how many couples were with us, but we're on this little fishing boat, knee-to-knee, couples heading out into the ocean, and my my spidey senses kick in like something ain't right with this like where's the life jackets you know what I'm talking about and and so we're going out and I had never in my life now Pacific Northwesterns forgive me okay I'm a flatlander all right everybody I have no idea I had no idea there was this thing called seasickness I had no idea I've been out on lakes I'd never been in the ocean much less on a little fishing boat crowded come on Mark do you feel my pain all right And so here we go, and all of a sudden, like halfway out to where we're going, everybody's all excited and giddy. I start feeling the anointing of the Holy Spirit right about here. And my skin turned shades that it has never since and never before had turned. Anybody here ever been seasick? I look like Kermit the Frog, everybody. And I was green, and and they got about just a little ways out from where they were going to snorkel, and I seen my redemption. There was a rock standing up out in the middle of the water, and I thought, I I don't care about snorkeling. I don't know what it is. I know I'm just married, but see you later, babe. It's been nice, right? And I jumped out of the boat. Now, i got to remind you of something that I didn't tell you, is that every morning that we had been there, we got to go down and have breakfast down on the beach, and Believe it or not, I had got kind of tired of breakfast on the beach, so we went to the local market because I just wanted some old-fashioned cereal. You ever have one of them days? I just want some cereal, right? And I went into what the locals would call, I was looking for Fruit Loops, and they, as better known by them as Frute Lupes, all right? So I got my box of Frute Lupes, I ate a big old bowl of Frute Lupes and headed out to sea to snorkel. I seen my chance of redemption. I seen the rock in the middle of the water. That rock was about half the size of this stage. I jumped out of the boat and I swam to that rock. I couldn't quite totally get on that rock, but I was hugging that rock. I was gripping that rock. I was even praying to the rock. How I many you know what I'm talking about? It was the only solid thing in a whole world that was moving at the moment. I was having one of the best prayer meetings you could ever imagine. And then as I'm looking down in the water, I seen in reappearance, Frute Lupes floating all around me. 
Man, I prayed. I was like, oh, God. So it was time to be done, and the boat came back to me. I ruined some of your appetites, didn't I? That's okay. And, and so the boat's coming back to me, and I'm literally thinking, there is no way in the booger man's place that I'm getting back on that boat. I will swim to shore. They came back. My wife is, oh, she's seen all these fish, all these colorful fish. And I said, yeah, but I've seen colorful frute lupes, you know. And so those guys, they're like the, the two guides, I guess they were. They didn't really care. They were speaking in Spanish. I think they were making fun of me, too. And they said, come on, get on the boat, we'll go back. And, and I said, no, I'm going to swim to shore. And they're like, no, you can do you can do it, you know. I'm like, no, I'm swimming to shore, I'm not. They made me get on the boat. I was never so glad <laughs> to be back on solid ground. How many know what I'm talking about, right? I know, this is an embarrassing story to tell you guys. But that rock in the middle of ocean, whoo, it was my refuge. I love that rock. I took pictures of the rock. I pull it out every once in a while and look at that rock. It was my refuge, and that's exactly what I want to talk about. Because some of us are waiting for the waves to calm down. Some of us are waiting for the seasickness to pass. Some of us think that we're in January in a new year, and this new year is going to be a lot better than the last year. But how many know we're fighting some of the same storms in 2022 that we had in 2021 and we had in 2020? Am I right about it? Some of us have been fighting the same storms for three years, four years, five, ten years, and we're waiting for the storms to move. But the storms aren't going to move, but I'm here to tell you today, there is a rock that we can grab a hold of. There is a refuge that we can anchor in. Come on, everybody, right? And so Shadow Dwellers, part number four, the first two weeks, we took the very popular two verses of Psalms chapter 91, that if you've had any church background, you grew up, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, shall rest under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, and He is my fortress, my God, in whom I will trust. Week number one and two, we got through those first two verses. Week number three, we got through verses number three, uh, four, five, and six. I'm going to skip over verse number seven and eight just because there's a little bit of repetitiveness and I want to use our time wise. And today I want to tackle verse number nine and ten. Maybe you brought a Bible. If not, we're going to put it on the screen. Let's dive into Psalms 91 starting in verse number nine. Here's what it says. It says, if you say the Lord is my refuge. Now, let me just stop right there. I wanted to highlight every word. I only highlighted one word in this Bible verse. It's the word if. Everything hinges on the if. The, the, the whole story turns on the if. If there's a rock in the middle of the sea, if you will jump out of your boat by faith and go to the rock. Oh, I'm already preaching and you don't even know it, all right? everything is hinged upon the if. If you say the Lord is my refuge, if you say He's my secret place, if you say the Lord is my Savior, if you declare Him as your Lord, come on, then there are some promises for those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High. It says, and, and you make the Most High your dwelling. I love this because it doesn't say if you, you make a commitment to the Most High, it doesn't say if you know where the Most High lives. It doesn't say if you, if you have a honk if you love Jesus bumper sticker on your car. 
It says if you dwell, if you live, if you reside, if you hang out with the Most High. Come on, everybody, right? He says, watch this. Now, verse number 10 gets very interesting to me. And matter of fact, I kind of struggle with verse number 10 just a little bit. In verse number 10, it says, no harm will overtake you. Well, wait a minute. How many Christians here have ever had harm in your life? Let me see your hands. I said, Lord, how do I preach that? Because I've had harm in my life. I've had harm while I'm grabbing a hold of the rock. I've seen fruit de lupes in my life more than I would like to. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and, and wait a minute, Lord. And then, and then I read it again. It says, no harm will overtake you. What it doesn't say is no harm will come to you. It doesn't say that you won't ever be in storms and there won't be harm all around you. Remember what we learned? The wise man built his house on the rock. The foolish man built his house on the sand. But both the wise, the righteous, and the foolish, the sinner, come on, both had storms in their life. So no harm will overtake you. Here's the good news for somebody. You might be in harm's way. You might have come here this morning and you don't feel like clapping and you don't feel like celebrating. You just know that you're in the middle of the worst storm you've ever been in. The promise for you to grab a hold of today is not that the storm will disappear by coming to church or committing your life to Christ, but that the storm will not harm you. It will not get you off your course. It will not destroy God's plans and purposes for your life. Come on, can I get a good amen on that? And then it says this, and then it says that no disaster will come near your tent. This is interesting. No disaster. And I struggle with this. And so with this struggle, let me work out some things with you. The, the Hebrew word for refuge, I already told you is a word I'm not going to try to pronounce today. But let me give you the meaning of that Hebrew word. Because it says, if you say, the Lord is my refuge. So the word refuge, the word refuge, here's what it means. In Hebrew, it means shelter from a storm. Now compare that to the verse. It's a shelter from a storm. It doesn't say it stops the storm. It says it'll be the shelter, a place that no matter how bad the storm gets to. Come on, everybody, right? And then here's the second meaning of it, a place of hope. So no matter what's going, see, all isn't lost as long as you still have hope. Am I right about it? There, there, there's a shipwreck movie that I like with Robert Redford in it, and it says, all hope is lost. Now that's when you're in trouble. Because you can be in a shipwreck as long as you still have hope, everything's all right. But when you lose hope, God is saying, I'm your refuge no matter what you go through. In other words, you can still hope that your tomorrow will be better than your yesterday. Right? And so there is hope. Um, and, and, and so just a little reminder, we don't need a place to hide if there's no storm. Jesus said we were going to have them. So I'm just going to make this real simple today because like Mark wants some time at the end of the service or something. And so let me just give you three points today instead of ten. All right, everybody? You guys ready? I love having Mark here to just blame things on. I appreciate you, brother. Amen. All right. So, so I just want to dive a little bit into the word refuge. Because I think when we see it, especially if we grow up in church, we hear that, oh, God is my refuge. Oh, yeah, that's great. He's my safe place. But I just want to dive into it just a little bit deeper and maybe consider some things maybe you haven't, maybe, just perhaps you haven't thought about before. 
So three places of refuge. Number one is I want to talk to you about the refuge that we have in Jesus. Now, I know in the Psalms that's Old Testament, but Jesus is all over the Old Testament. He's foreshadows. He, there's symbols of him. There's metaphors of him. And Psalms chapter 91 is one of those. So what I want to do is dig a little deeper into the idea of the Lord being our refuge. Not the pastor, not your church, not your denominate. When I say church, I don't mean like you can't find some safety and shelter here. I just mean some of us are more excited about our church style than we are about God, our rock in the middle of the storm. And sometimes we turn to the church and get mad at the church because the church can't be all that you want it to be, but the church was never meant to be only what God can be because the church is made up of a bunch of people that are also in a storm. Come on, everybody, right? In the Old Testament, there there are cities in the Old Testament, and they were cities of refuge. I'm going to give you this. So, so God told Joshua when they entered Canaan, Canaan that they needed to establish six cities that the Scripture calls them cities of refuge. And Because back in those days, let's say somebody accidentally killed another person, the closest relative to the, to the deceased, they, they had a legal right to avenge them. So if you accidentally killed somebody, the next of kin... The wife, the daughter, the son had a legal right to come and avenge that accidental death. So therefore, God said, okay, instead of that happening, we're going to establish a refuge. We're going to establish some cities, watch this, that you can run to when you're guilty. Mm, Let me preach a little bit. And the law can't come running after you. The law... The judgment, the condemnation can't come into those cities if the Lord is your refuge. Come on, everybody. That's good already. Listen, watch. Let me show it to you in Scripture. In Joshua, it says this. In the book of Joshua, chapter number 20, here's just a little bit of uh, scriptural proof of what I just said. It says, Tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses. So at first, he, he first gave these cities to Moses. Okay, now Joshua, God's reminding Joshua, so that anyone who kills a person accidentally, I want you to pay attention to this word, unintentional. Because there's a lot of people that think, oh, well, I'm not a sinner, I'm not a bad person, I've never killed anybody, I've never, I'm, I'm just not a bad person, but I would submit to you that we're not sinners because we've done the act of sin, we're sinners because we were unintentionally born as sinners, we, we are descendants of Adam and Eve, and they sinned, and we're descendants. Our spirit body is dead. So even if you're a good person, you've unintentionally, come on, are a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Are you guys with me on that? Okay, so watch this. And so may flee there and find protection from the avenger's blood. Whew, I feel like preaching Marvel comics right now. There is an avenger. There there is somebody that wants payment from you. His name is the devil, all right? So so that's that part. Um, I think, do I have more on that verse or is that it? Okay, I think that's it. So now take me to Deuteronomy chapter number 19. Let me show it to you uh, even before Joshua. Just want to establish this. This is the rule concerning anyone who kills a person and flees there for safety. Anyone who kills a neighbor, watch that, unintentional. Because the argument is always, well, I'm not a bad person. 
All have sinned. We're all unintentional sinners. All right, everybody? Without malice or afterthought. For instance, I love this for instance, a man may go into the forest with his neighbor to cut wood and he swings his axe to fell a tree and the head may fly off and hit his neighbor and kill him. I mean, what an imagination. It's like, dude, Moses, you're a bit morbid. I mean, you know, okay, so anyway... <laughs> Talk about Debbie Downer, wah, wah. Okay, so anyway, that man may flee to one of these cities and save his life. So in the Old Testament, there are six cities. Each of them gives us, watch this, a picture of Jesus. So I'm going to read these six cities to you. I want you to see Jesus in these cities as a metaphor or a symbol of Jesus to remind us unintentional sinners, come on, that we have a place to run for refuge when we're in trouble. Mm -hmm. and, and it's a place of protection for his children. Jesus is our city of refuge, and when we run to him, the enemy does not have authority to harm us. He that dwells in the secret place, the secret place is Jesus. When I live in Jesus, no judgment, no law, no condemnation, no lie, no accusation from the enemy can harm me because I'm living my life in a refuge city called Jesus. Amen? Ooh, I love that. Um, so in him we have refuge. Even before the cross, uh, excuse me, before the cross, the devil had a legal death sentence on you. So I want you to think about this. We're now born as sinners because of Adam and Eve. So the enemy had a death sentence on you because the law required if, we're, if we sin, you will surely die. That came out of God's mouth. If you eat of this tree, if you disobey, you will surely die. So, so the devil had legal rights to avenging you, to coming after you because you broke a law. Okay? Uh, and so therefore, Jesus comes and dies on the cross, fulfilling the law, and therefore, he becomes our rest. It's almost like the devil is the bounty hunter. You're a sinner. You know you're a sinner. You're running all your life, trying to hide in all kinds of other refuges, Right? that don't endure the storms of life. Come on, everybody. You know you've ran to another refuge before you ran to Jesus, right? And, and they don't endure. And the devil's like a bounty hunter until this verse comes up. Because now the righteousness run to him, and they are safe. Mm -hmm. So let's look at it again. Let's go down a little bit further in Joshua. Joshua chapter number 20. And, and here's what it says. So they set apart Kadesh. Uh, in Galilee, in the hill, these are the six cities right here. Hang on, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you what they mean, but I just want you to know that it's in the Bible. So they set apart Kadesh in Galilee, in the hill country of Naphtali, Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and Kiriath Arba, uh, which is Hebron, uh, in the hill country of Judah, east of Jordan, on the other side of Jericho. They designated Bezer in the wilderness on the plateau and in the tribe of Reuben and Ramoth in Gilead in the tribe of Gad and Gollan. I feel like I'm reading something from the Lord of the Rings or something, all right? And Gollan in, <laughs> I, I turned around and some of your eyes were like that. It's in the Bible, okay? Gollan and Bashan in the tribe of Manasseh. I only practiced that 20 times before I read it to you, all right? So here we do. All right, thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Okay. Um, 
<laughs> and, and the thing is, is even if I pronounced them wrong, none of you know, all right? Okay, so here we go. <laughs> all right, now let's break these down real quick. I've got to go through them fast because I don't want the topic of my message just on here. So uh, l- let's look at them. Number one is Kadesh, and Kadesh means, uh, do I have that? Uh, it means the holy place or the sanctuary. Now, now don't read ahead of me, all right? M- remember, he that dwells in the what? Secret place. I want you to see, Kadesh is a holy place or a sanctuary. Let's go back Old Testament. Come on, remember the Holy of Holies that we couldn't enter into, only the high priest could. But now, Kadesh is saying, you have access to the holy place, the Holy of Holies, because when Jesus died on the cross, he gave access to all of us to dwell in the secret place. So I just want you to kind of see that. So number two uh, is uh, Shechem, which means shoulder. I think, ah, what's uh Hang on, all right? Number three, uh, uh, number three is, uh, uh, well, hold on, uh, hold on one second here. I just want to give you a little scriptural references, uh, especially for the, all of you that are watching uh, The Chosen right now. Uh, this is the place right here. Shechem is the place that Jacob's well was. A lot of spiritual significance. Uh, it's also the place where Jesus, he met the woman at the well, been married six times and the man she's with, or five times and the man she's with now is not. Okay, so that's kind of where that's at. That's where that city is. Um, uh, uh, Kirith Arba is, uh, means friendship or fellowship. Bezer means fortress. These are the six cities that you can run to. Number five is Ramoth, uh, and this means height or highly exalted. Number six is Galen which means rejoicing or joy. So this, when, when we run to Jesus for protection, that's why the Bible says uh, uh, that the joy of the Lord is my strength because we have a safe place to go to when all the storms are blow- going, okay? Uh, so, so I want you to see that. If you want to take a picture of it, fine, but I, I, I don't want to spend the whole time. That would make a great series But here's what I want you to see. Watch then when I read these six cities together in their definitions. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadows of the Almighty. Under the shadow of the Almighty, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He's the place I run to. Notice that there, I I know Jesus is singular, but there are six cities. Ah, I'm glad you're wondering about that because I'm going to come to it, all right? So let me read this now, if we could. I'm going to use a paraphrase here. Put it on the board for me. Uh, You can find sanctuary on the Lord's strong shoulders, which He offers through friendship and fellowship. He is our fortress, and He highly exalts us above our troubles with great rejoicing. Woo, come on, everybody. Right? That's good news for us. That's why, that's what, that, that right there is why the New Testament says that Jesus is the name above all names. Uh, that at the name of Jesus, come on, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess because Jesus is my fortress. Jesus is my strength. Jesus is my strong tower. Right, everybody? Come on. In other words, there is nothing that can come to me as long as I'm in the secret place, in the refuge. That's why he is the name above all names. And I love this little picture here. What, uh, the, the second word, it means strong shoulder. I, I love that because I want you to get the image of a strong shoulder. Because it shows us how a shepherd lifts us out of trouble. 
He's using this term strong shoulder because in those times there were shepherds and there were sheep. Do you remember the parable of the lost sheep in Luke chapter number 15? And, and the sheep is lost and the shepherd goes looking for the sheep. And what does he do? He picks them up and he puts them on his shoulders. Now, let me ask you a question. What, did the sheep, what was the part of the sheep in that? The sheep is lost. It knows it's lost. It's making noise saying that it's lost. It doesn't know its way home. And here comes the shepherd. And the shepherd picks him up and puts him on his shoulder. And, and, and so I want you to see something. Here's the difference between relationship and religion. The sheep didn't do nothing. The sheep didn't climb up on his shoulders. The, the, the sheep didn't pray the right prayer. The sheep didn't go to the right sheep church. The sheep didn't do anything right. The sheep was just purely lost and out of grace and mercy. Come on, here comes the great shepherd and picks up the sheep out of the sheep's mess and out of the sheep's lostness. I'm trying to get somebody fired up here because we are the sheep. And he puts us on his shoulder. Watch this. The sheep did nothing except rest on the shoulders of the shepherd that was there to save us. Aren't you glad for it? So watch this. In the story of Luke 15, when we talked about the sheep, then repentance, I know repentance has a number of meanings, but as it relates to this, then the word repentance means, watch this, it means consent to be protected. If you're a lost sheep and you repent and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, what you're doing is you're consenting to Him picking you up out of the mess that you are in. Come on, man. It's like I'm signing a waiver. Our family, when we lived in Michigan for years, there was a family in our church that had this little log cabin up in the northern part of Michigan. And every summer we'd go up there for about a week, just the four of us. We'd go out there and they had quads and they had about 100 acres, wooded acres with snowmobile trails. And we would go out all the time and ride snowmobiles, or I mean uh, quads. And those 100 acres that our friends owned was connected to over 2,000 acres of national forest and snowmobile trails. So we would go there in the summertime and just spend the whole time out in the woods just riding quads, having a blast. And uh, playing capture the flag, which Janessa and I always won. <coughs> and um, <laughs> it's my sermon, Jake. You can preach it when you preach. All right, so... And, and, and one time we had just pulled in the car, and, and we didn't go in, we didn't put our bags in, we didn't take our suitcases, we just jumped out, unlocked the garage, got on the quads, me and Janessa, she's on the back, and we're flying through the woods, and there's this little marshy area, and we came to, and we knew better than to go in it. And, uh, but I said to Janessa, I said, hey, if we go fast enough, we'll just kind of skim right over the top of it. Uh, Come on, guys, where's the men in the house? That sounds like good logic, doesn't it? Just give it more throttle. That answers everything. Come on now. We got about halfway in this marsh, and we sank down. Those wheels were buried, and it was black mud. I mean, black as these chairs. We were spinning. So finally, Jake and Patty are on two different quads up on the bank because they're the smarter two of me, all right? And I look back, and Patty's like going like this, you know. And, and so I tell Janessa, I said, get on my back. I'll give you a piggyback ride, and we'll get out of this mess. And I had mud up to my, and I'm stepping, and I got my little girl on the back, and I got her to the other side. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what the shepherd does in our life. He comes to where we are. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. He comes to where we are, walking through all the sin and all the junk that this world has done, and he puts us on his shoulders, and he rescues us. Come on, man. Look at the story in Luke chapter number 15. It says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully, come on, he joy. Listen, we, were, we have pictures of this. I almost showed it to you. We have pictures of this in our scrapbooks and at home. It wasn't a drudgery. We talk about it all the time. Remember the time? With joy and laughter. You remember the time Dad was a bonehead? Which time you talking about, you know? He joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Jesus joyfully wants you to consent to let him protect you. Oh. Protect you from what? Condemnation, judgment, punishment, sin. Right? And, and, and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbor together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep. Deuteronomy chapter number 33 says like this, May the beloved of the Lord live in security beside him who shields him all the day long, and he lives between his shoulders. Oh, it's such, a, it's such an intimate picture. Let me move on, though, for the sake of time. So I... Uh, our refuge in Jesus. I want you to see something else, though. I also want you to see our refuge in the church. I want you to notice that there were cities scattered out all over the country. There wasn't just one city, because one city couldn't handle all the people that were unintentional sinners. (sighs) Come on. There wasn't one. Listen, if you need a refuge, how many of you know? that one isn't better than the other one. I just need a strong place to go to. Come on. I I would just love to see the day where we allow churches to be different without comparing and acting like one is better than the other. No, it's different. It's in a different city. They painted the door different. Come on. All right? So it's a refuge, the refuge in the church. Let me just say this. A life-giving church is supposed to be a place of refuge. How many, when you were a kid, you ever played the game freeze tag? Anybody play that game besides me? And there was always a, a, a home base or a safe base, a, a place that you could come to and have immunity. Hey, you can't get me here. Neener, neener, neener. Right? Huh? I'm on home base. That's exactly what the church is supposed to be. Because you've been out there all week in your jobs and your challenges and your fights, fighting devils, fighting problems. You've been going through all kind of things, people criticizing you, all kind of things. There ought to be a place on the Lord's Day that you can run to. And in that place, there's a whole lot of other sheep that know what it is to be rescued. And if you really know what it is to experience His grace, you don't have time to throw stones. Come on, somebody. Because He redeemed you from getting stones thrown at you. Right? And and, and that's what church is supposed to be. Church is supposed to be life-giving. Have you ever been to a church where you came to church and you felt worse about yourself when you left than when you came in? That's not life-giving. 
Life-giving is everybody is building up, encouraging, singing songs that encourage. Come on, preaching messages that say you can do it because where you're at is not where you have to stay. Messages that remind you of His grace, remind you there is no condemnation, remind you that where you're at is not where you have to stay, remind you that your best days are yet ahead of you. I'll keep on going until somebody gets fired up about it. He is good, and your best days are ahead of you, everybody, right? He's our protection. Now let me say something. There may be kids in the room. I don't know. But let me say something very carefully. Sir Francis of Assisi made a statement about the church that is, it's a little bit crude, so I'm giving you a warning. Spoiler alert. The next statement is going to be crude, so you can put your fingers in your ears. But here's what he said. Francis of Assisi said this. He said, well, he said, I love the church. He made this statement. I'm quoting. I'm not making this up. He said, the church is a whore but she's my mother. Now let me explain it. The church is not perfect. The church is not a building with stained glass. And if you came here looking for a perfect church, can we please let you know this is not it. Ta-da! This this is the furthest thing. Because the church is made up of a whole lot of imperfect people that all have scars and all have sinned and come... short and all our unintentional sinners and we're all somewhere in the journey and somewhere while you're here pursuing this you're going to have to do some of this and we're going to bump into each other and we're going to have differences of opinions and different political stances and different vaccine stances come on somebody and different life stances and different opinions hello is anybody here but in the time we got to be a place of refuge that's life-giving and building up yes she has some issues but she's my mother let me say it my way the church is the place that i've been in since i was five years old (laughs) i sometimes feel like i could count on one hand how many times i haven't been in church on a sunday And in the church, I've received some of my greatest hurts. Can anybody relate? I understand why some people abandon the church. Because if you're looking to the church to be a refuge, without Jesus being the refuge first, and if you think that church ought to be on the high throne instead of God on the high throne, then you're going to expect the church to do no evil, see no evil, hear no evil, and be at everything you ever need them to be and always have the theological answer for everything you're going through and the perfect prayer. And when the pastor comes to the hospital, he's wearing a cape. Dun, da, da, da. And if that's your expectation of the church, you're thinking of the church the wrong way because the church, let me say it one more time, is a whore. She's messed up. She's stained. She has issues. She's my mother. I received some of my greatest hurts in the church. In the church, people have lied about me. In the church, people have taken advantage of me. But before I get bitter, hold on. Because on the the other side of the same coin, the church saved my life. The church rescued me. I didn't know where to look for help. And the church, more than once the church rescued me. Miss Rose came driving her little church van and said, Hey, Kenny, you want to go to church? I went to church and found out there was a God that loved me and a father that would never leave me or forsake me. When I was 11 years old, just a few days before Christmas, our family had gone through a tragic event. My mom went into the bedroom and closed her door. I don't know exactly what happened. I've heard her tell the story with a handful of pills in her hand and a gun in the other hand, ready to end her life. And I can be mad at the church, but the church saved my life because that night 
before she made a decision how she would end her life, the doorbell rang of the church I was going to. And the church showed up and brought Christmas presents and groceries. And that night, the church led my mom to Jesus Christ. Does the church have problems? Yes, it has problems. But she's saved my life. Come on and say a good amen. And so therefore, what does that all mean before I close? It means we can't judge where somebody's at on the journey. The good news is they showed up here. And you might be looking at them on a scale of 1 to 10 going, I can't believe they do that. Don't say that around here. I can't believe they're only out of number 2 out of 10 and they've been serving God for 5 years. Yeah, but they started at a negative 30 when you grew up in a home where you started at 1. It's a mir- they fought every devil in hell to be here. You got escorted here in your Sunday go to meet and dress. Come on somebody, right? So don't ever look at somebody. We don't know their we if we don't understand their story, then don't mess with their glory. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Come on. Let's this be the safe place. Let this be the place where people can be on a journey. I had people getting baptized last week. It was awesome. Some people said, well, I've been in church all my life, but I got baptized as a kid. Let's do it again. All right. Then I had a guy that got baptized. I think he's here right now. He had just got out of prison two weeks ago. Got saved the previous week and got water baptized the next week. Come on, everybody. One place. Notice these cities are all over because one place cannot house them all and that is why hear me please use the church as your refuge we feel so inadequate as staff members around here when there are needs that are happening crises that have happened and we didn't know nothing about it listen if you're not plugged in if you don't at least attempt to be in a life group you don't have a place to run to who are you going to call at two o'clock in the morning if you don't have a group of six friends or so that you're doing life with Come on, everybody. We, we can minister to everybody, but you've got to take some steps toward the refuge also. Come on. The refuge doesn't come to you all the time. Ah. Sometimes you've got to come to the refuge. All right, I've got to leave that alone. Uh, I, I, yeah, I've got to leave that alone. Let me give you something about Psalms, and I've got to close. Here we go. Uh, Psalms 92. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. That sounds good to me. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted, planted, in the house of the Lord. Hold on. Did you get that? It doesn't say occasionally go into church whenever the mood strikes you. It says planted. I got roots in it. I've got investment in it. I've given my time there. I've given my money there. I've given my talent there. I've shed some tears there. I've been in some trenches with some people there. I'm planted. I got roots. This is not just an occasional thing. Right, right, right. Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish. I don't know about you, but I want to flourish. And the way I flourish is to get my roots in some good soil. And the church is the good soil. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of God. They will still bear fruit in their old age. I like that verse more and more every birthday. Come on now. Right? They will stay fresh and their whiskers won't go gray. Oh, sorry, that was my... They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, The Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in Him. Amen, everybody, right? Okay, so we have a refuge in Jesus, we have a refuge in the church, and I close with this, we have a refuge from evil. We have a refuge from evil. Um... It doesn't say, again, it doesn't say that evil won't come, but it won't overtake you as long as you dwell 
He that dwells. Go back to my opening verse, verse number 9. Verse 1. He that dwells in the secret place. The secret place is Jesus. It's not some mysterious place. And then I go back to this. I end with this word. If. The protection isn't for... Uh, let me say something that will be a little controversial. I haven't thought through this. It's right on the top of my tongue right now, so I'm going to say it. God's not everyone's father. He's everyone's creator. But unless you choose to come into his house, he's not our father. If you say, the Lord is my refuge. If you say, I'm going to dwell in Jesus, and I'm going to abide in him, and he's going to abide in me then there are some promises for being His child. Amen, everybody. Come on, I'm going to stop right there.